Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Genesis 3.20 Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Of course, this morning we want to celebrate Mother's Day. We, um, our culture uh, is very centered around this holiday. Um, the church often makes special occasion for the celebration of mothers on Mother's Day, and with good reason, we want to honor uh, those special people in our lives. As I was uh, planning for this message, I was thinking about the first chapter of Genesis, where it says that God created man in his image, and this comes from Genesis 1, uh, 27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. And so just to give you a little bit of context, the word man there often is translated humanity or people. Um, it, it's the same word, though, that uh, is used to describe Adam, man, um, but it's used different and in different contexts. And in here, in this passage, it says God created man, and then it says God created them. And so it's clear that it's referencing humanity in this passage. It's not exclusive to men. And then just to make sure that you don't miss the point, he says male and female, he created them. Now there's a lot of confusion in our culture right now around gender and what gender means and gender expression and identity. And this is not going to be a sermon on that. I just want to be clear. It's not, it's not going to be a sermon on that. Um, but I think it is important to note that the image of God here is reflected in both the masculine and the feminine. And it's with the two together that the fullness of God's image comes to expression. We often think of God in the masculine. The, the pronouns used in Scripture are masculine. Jesus, of course, came in a masculine bodily form, a male bodily form. Um, the Holy Spirit, sometimes the, the language, the pronoun usage around the Holy Spirit is a little bit different, a little bit more ambiguous. But we think of God in this very masculine way often. But right here at the beginning, we see a representation of God in both masculine and feminine. And when we do a little digging into the Scriptures, we see that the feminine, what we typically think of as the feminine, uh, is used in the Bible in a variety of ways to describe attributes of God. And of course, we know even when we say God the Father, or when we call God He, we recognize that we don't mean that in the same way that I'm male and my wife is female. God being spirit doesn't have bodily form. Jesus did come in the masculine, as I said, of course, but, but God himself as a being is not gendered in the same way that we are. That's one of our limitations. But we see these attributes, both masculine and feminine. And I wanted to just point out some of these feminine qualities that we see being attributed to God. So I want to go first to Isaiah 
66, 12, and 13. And Isaiah 66, 12, and 13. It's speaking of Jerusalem. And um, the context here is joy for God's relationship with Jerusalem and drawing Jerusalem and, of course, the, the nation of Israel, by extension, back to himself. And he says, Behold, I extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you shall be nursed, you shall be carried on the hip, and fondled on the knee. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. It's a description of God. God treating Jerusalem as a mother. Nursing, when, you know, that, that image of the child on the hip, like is very, a very classic, you know, mother image. Um, I, I can remember my own wife. Of course, this would have been years ago because our children are too, too big for this now, but walking around the house, a kid on the hip, or walking around together, a kid on the hip. And this idea of the mother comforting and nurturing, that's a very feminine expression, isn't it? And we don't always recognize this aspect of God's nature, the nurturing and the comforting, the, the feeding, the caring for as a mother cares for a child. And so when we look at this passage, we see this very strong feminine association. If we look at a few chapters back at Isaiah 49, 14 to 15, we say, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and the Lord has forgotten me. Again, Zion is another name for Jerusalem. It's the, it's the representation of God's people of Israel, right? This is the Old Testament. And so the, the nation of Israel or Zion, Jerusalem here is saying, but the Lord has forsaken me. And, and the Lord had withdrawn his protection for a season from Jerusalem, had he not? and given them over to their own desires, and given them over to their own uh, sin. But they call to him, and the Lord responds, Can a woman forget her nursing child, and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Even these may forget. Now, it's very hard for me to think or to imagine a mother forgetting her child. I know that it does happen. I know that there are all kinds of situations of brokenness in this world. But it's very hard to, to picture, and when we are able to picture that, there's real sorrow and despair, at least in me at the image of a mother forgetting her child. But God says, I'm like that. I, I don't forget my children. And even when there are those who would be faithless, even then, I am able to comfort. I am able to nurture. I will not forget. I am faithful. And so the strongest connection of faithfulness that I can think of 
So in our sinfulness, in our brokenness, humanity is always going to have moments where the ideal is not met. But it's hard to imagine for me any relationship that's more faithful and more steadfast than a mother's love for her child. And yet, even in moments when that would be broken, God says, I am faithful. I will not forsake. I will not abandon. If we look at Deuteronomy 32, 10 and 11. This is the song of Moses. And he's speaking of the Lord and his, the Lord's faithfulness in the desert. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of a wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. And the masculine language there is used But this is descriptive of the mother eagle guarding the nest. And I didn't realize this, but, you know, I just thought, okay, so the mother's hovering over the nest and and like protecting, you know, and and like safeguarding. What I didn't realize is that this is descriptive of a very particular kind of imagery for eagles. So the, the eagle mother will go off, not ever very far from the nest, but the eagle mother will go off and find food and bring the food back, and hover with the food right over the nest, just barely out of reach. Just barely out of reach. So she doesn't come and just drop the food right in the mouths. She hovers out of reach. Why? Because that hovering and distance creates strength in the children. Right? They have to kind of strive, but she knows just how much to make them strive, just how much to encourage them and provoke them so that they can learn to fly and fly on their own. And it says that she, um, the the, uh, verse is, spreads his wings and caught them and carried them on pinions. And so there's this idea of the mother eagle being there to help protect the baby birds when they're just getting to the point where they can fly and leave the nest. Being there to protect, to keep them safe, even as they spread their wings and learn how to grow and go out on their own. What a remarkable image of how God also compels us forward in growth. There's actually this principle in um, you know, business and leadership and like growth strategy, there's this principle that in order to keep moving forward, in order to keep moving forward in your field or in a hobby or in learning something new, you have to continually engage with challenges that are just beyond your ability. Just beyond. Because if you keep doing things that you already know that you can do, you don't ever grow. But if you set your challenges too far ahead, then you tend to, people tend to get overwhelmed and to give up and quit. And so there's this little window that I feel this image perfectly encapsulates of how the challenges that are set before us are just enough to draw us out 
draw us out of the nest, you might say, and propel us forward. And then finally, in Hosea, and this one was really interesting. So Hosea chapter 13, verse 4 starts, You have been the Lord your God since the land, yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt. And you were not to know any God except me, for there is no Savior beside me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pasture, they become satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lie in wait by the wayside. I will encounter them like a bear robbed of her cubs. And I will tear open their chests. There I will also devour them like a lioness, as a wild beast would tear them. And I just thought, you know, usually that's the kind of imagery that we associate with masculinity, right? Ripping and tearing and kind of violence. But this fierceness that's described here is attributed to the mother bear protecting her cubs. My friends and I like to go camping, and one of the things that we uh, stay on the lookout for is bears, because you don't really want to encounter a bear when you're out backpacking. It, it's okay like to see them in the distance. That's fun sometimes. But, but the nightmare scenario is you're walking down the path, and as you're walking down the path, you see mama bear here and realize that baby bears are over there. Like, that's the nightmare scenario. And the reason that that's the nightmare scenario is because that is the time, at least in this part of the country, when black bears are actually most likely to attack. Is when there's some sense of threat to their cubs. And I just have a great appreciation for the fierceness of the mama bear. Right? The fierceness of the lioness that is protecting the young. So these are some of the images that Scripture gives us that represent God in the feminine. Now, in this particular passage, you know, God is being a disciplinarian. But he still uses this imagery of the fierceness of the feminine, the fierceness that can be found in feminine, especially in a motherly and a protecting way. And I, I, I have to admit, I got lost a little bit last night down a rabbit hole of watching videos of mother bears defending their cubs from, from predators, from other predators. And some of it was just vicious. I mean, it was... You should Google it sometime if you, <laughs> if you, if you want to see it. But as I was, I, was, I was looking at these attributes and as I was seeing them and the representation that they had of God and the connection with mothering and the feminine, I just thought, this is why we have such an honor and an awe and an elevation for femininity in these images because they're a representation of God's character. We see God's nature and God's love and his nurture and his care for all of us in these very feminine images. And it's when 
those things are combined with the more traditional and typical images that we often hear and see. It's when those things are combined that we get a much fuller picture of who God is and how we are to understand Him and the range of His character. It's, I think, important to note that there is this um, integration of the two in the character of God. And it tells us something important, I think, about our own relationships, masculine and feminine. Now, of course, this is a generalization. Not everyone fits into these standards or these stereotypes. Not everyone um, has... Not everyone's going to get married. Not everyone's going to have that kind of relationship. And that is in no way to devalue those people um, who, who find themselves in a different state of life or in a, in, a, in a different position in life. But it certainly is important to note that when masculine and feminine come together, there's this dialectic that happens. A dialectic is something that seems like it's two things that are opposed to each other, but they actually fit together. And so the dialect that I'm talking about is that when, when male and female come together, male and female both enhance and balance one another. They both enhance and balance one another. And so when you have... Men and a man and a woman come together in a healthy and compatible way, then what it means is that it enables men to find themselves more fully situated in their masculinity and women more fully situated in their femininity. When men are men, women can be women and vice versa but they also draw each other closer to the center because masculine and feminine traits can get out of control. They can go to extremes. Our, our culture is actually seeing this a little bit and, I, and picking up a little bit on it in this idea of toxic masculinity. Now, I actually don't believe in toxic masculinity. I just believe in toxicity. And that shows up in male and female ways. But some of the extremes to which men go need some balance. We can't and shouldn't be just as men, just harsh and strong and immovable all the time. That's part of what women do to us. They help soften us. They help us to push into some of those more feminine traits. Not for us to become women, but for us to be refined. And vice versa. When men are masculine, then it, it frees women to not have to take on some of the roles and responsibilities that they may not want to take in a relationship. Now, there's a thousand different ways that that can be expressed in, in, in a healthy way, right? In healthy ways. And so I'm not trying to say to anyone, well, your way of being in relationship needs to look like mine or anything like that. I'm just saying that this is the natural tendency 
when men and women come together in healthy ways, to refine each other, to draw each other closer, and together to fully manifest and represent the image of God in humanity. Now, I want to mention some special cases that are, I think, important for us to consider. I mentioned earlier, not everyone has the privilege or even maybe wants to enter into a marriage relationship. There are all kinds of exceptions to that that are to be valued and understood and cared for. And the same is true when we look at the idea of motherhood. We want to celebrate that. We want to um, honor it. We want to esteem the women who have served and sacrificed and given so much of themselves and have manifested and expressed God's image to us. Some degrees uh, more so than others. But there are other people that I want to just mention that I think in a day like this, it's important to take consideration of. One of these is women who have wanted motherhood and been unable to attain it. And there's a variety of reasons for this. Uh, some women remain single throughout their lives. Some women have had difficulty conceiving. Some women just aren't at that place in life yet where either they're able to conceive or they're in a relationship that can uh, cultivate and nurture motherhood. And I would just say that we would want to value those people as along with people who are mothers. I would want to say that that state or that condition is not a sign of one's worth or not a sign of one's value. And that we can acknowledge the deep longing that often comes with people who have wanted to be mothers and have not been able to. And we can grieve the loss of that, even if it's temporary. We can grieve it together. And we can offer comfort and care and remind them that they're not forgotten. I'm thinking of the earlier passage that we talked about where God was a nurturer. These women need to be nurtured too. I'm thinking also of women, of not just women, but people who may have lost someone. People, for example, who have lost their own mother, recently maybe, or mothers who have lost a child. This can be a really hard day for both of those groups of people. And we can weep and grieve with those individuals and their loss. We can long for justice or redemption with the fierceness that comes in the form of a mama bear for those individuals. I would also want to point out those who have had mothers and their relationship with their mother has been complicated or hurtful or maybe even abusive. And a day like this, again, can be really hard for some of those folks. 
the relationship is not, has not been the, the hallmark card, right, that we often want to make it out to be or is often presented. And I would just want to say, I did not realize how many, quote unquote, bad mothers there are in the Bible. Like, they're a pretty well-represented group in Scripture. Um, let me just name a few, just, just to jog your memory in case. There's the mom who brought the other mom with her in front of Solomon to try to rob the other mom's baby from her because her own died and was satisfied with Solomon decreeing that they cut the child in half and each take a part. That's got to be up there in the ranks of bad motherhood, right? That's, that's got to be up there. There's the lady who called down from the wall. Now, this was a more, this was a more um, desperate circumstance. But the city of Jerusalem was in the midst of a famine and under siege. And they were desperate to the point of two women getting together and agreeing to eat their children. Now, that's got to be in the realm of bad motherhood, right? We, we, we can all agree to that. And then there's a little bit more mundane stories like Rebecca, who just simply favored one son over the other to the extreme. And I think that's the kind of bad mothering that, that maybe is a little bit more accessible to a lot of us. And in some ways, she was a good mother. In some ways, Rebecca was a good mother. But in this particular way, it was really difficult. And so we want to say to those people who had this really complicated or maybe difficult relationship with their mother, we want to say, you deserved better. We would pray that you would be healed of parental wounds and that generational curses would end. And we would pray that God would redeem the idea and the notion of motherhood for you, for those of you who fit that category. And you would find nurture and comfort from God. So this day we do celebrate, but we also grieve and we suffer with those who this day is hard for. We grieve the many ways that sin and the fall have marred the ideal of motherhood and what it should be. The good that God intended for motherhood to be. We grieve the way that sin and death and brokenness have marred that. From the imperfections of relatively good mothers to all the way to death and loss and abuse and neglect. But we also celebrate and honor the good of motherhood itself. Um, that who, whoever, you know, good, good mothers wherever they are. We, so we hold both joy and sorrow today. We hold longing for the goodness that is promised in the ideal of motherhood. And we hold hope for healing when that has been broken.
in a fallen world. As an expression of that, we would like to offer a gift to all of the women who are here today. Those of you who are mothers, for you to be celebrated. Those of you who fall into one of the other areas for, as an expression of our longing for you or our love for you, our gift of healing maybe, or of joy of what is to come, that we have hope for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gift of yourself and the representation that you have given us of it in good mothering. Those of us who have had good moms, we are thankful for them. So thankful. Those of us whose relationship has been more difficult, we pray for healing and for hope for a redeemed vision of what motherhood is through our relationship with you and our relationship with others. We thank you so much for your presence here today. We're grateful for all of the women who are here and we honor them. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.